Hello everyone and welcome back to the Commander's Forge. My name is Andy Bentley and the Forge is an area for me to talk about magic, commander, and anything else while we try and decide what I'm supposed to be doing with this mental health. Now, today we're going to talk about legendary creatures from the Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Uh, not any of the ones that I mentioned last week, but ones that I've been looking at that I would like to either put into decks or will possibly build a deck around. And because I don't want today's episode to go super, super long, we're going to jump right into it. And we're going to start with Galta Stampede Tyrant. It's a 5 green, green, green for a 12-12 Elder Dinosaur. It has Trample. And when Galta Stampede Tyrant enters the battlefield, put any number of creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield. So... Yeah, just big stuff, ramp to 8, play him, drop everything else, good times. Personally, I'm going to find a spot for him in my uh, Goreclaw deck, which is kind of like my mono green deck that I keep going back to. Uh, that's kind of all I have for that one. The next one I want to talk about is... And I know I'm going to butcher names today, and I apologize in advance. Uh, it is Sovereign Okenik Ahau. Ahau? I... It's two, a green, and a white for a 3-4 Cat Noble. It has Ward 2. And whenever it attacks, for each creature you control with power greater than that creature's base power, put a number of plus one plus one counters on that creature equal to the difference. So, I have a green-white tokens list that I have kind of apart right now. This would either fit at the head of it or just in the 99, depending on what direction I wanted to take it. But the, the goal is play a lot of little creatures, play things that you know, pump all your creatures like anthems, and then you can just start snowballing, right? Next up, we have Anim Pakal, Thousandth Moon. It's one, a red and a white for a one-two human soldier. And it says, whenever you attack with one or more non-gnome creatures, put a plus one plus one counter on Anim Pakal, then create X-1-1 colorless gnome artifact creature tokens that are tapped and attacking, where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on a non-pacal. So, I feel like this is going to... maybe not replace a commander, but... well, let's face it, how many gnomes am I going to have in another deck, right? So, wherever I end up putting this... It's just going to start churning out gnomes every turn. And I think that's neat. And maybe this makes its way into, like, uh, the Ozgear deck. I don't know. Uh, next up, I want to mention him, mostly because I'm disappointed. But Breach's Eager Pillager is two and a red for a 3-3 Goblin Pirate. He has first strike, 
And whenever a pirate you control attacks, choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. So if you attack with three pirates, you just get to do all of this. Create a treasure token. Target creature can't block this turn. Exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. What, pray tell, is missing from this? <laughs> partner. I just wish it had partner on it. Even though there's nothing else in the set that has partner on it, they could have gotten away with just slapping partner on breaches, right? It, whatever. Um, and I mean, to that, there's also like a new Malcolm Alluring Scoundrel in the set. It's one in a blue, two one Siren Pirate. It has flash flying. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, put a chorus counter on it, draw a card, then discard a card. If there are four more chorus counters on Malcolm, you may cast the discarded card without paying its mana cost. There's no reason this... Even if it just said partners with Malcolm, and the other one says partners with Breaches, right? I don't know. Maybe I just want my cake and eat it too. I don't know. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Bartolome del Presidio. He is a two-cost uh, commander at white-black for a 2-1 vampire knight. Sacrifice another creature or artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on Bartolome de Presidio. Uh, nice, simple, easy. I have a white-black vampire list that's already doing some tokeny aristocratic stuff so maybe this just gets thrown in there or maybe it goes at the front because it's super cheap i don't know all right next up is another one whose name i'm sure i'm going to butcher but it's caparocti caparocti sunborn to a red and a white for a 4-4 human soldier whenever Caparocti Sunborn attacks, you may tap two untapped artifacts and or creatures you control if you do discover three. So, again, this would be good in that Osgir deck, but because this doesn't just have to be artifacts, I feel like this can go into more range of decks. And right after that, I want to talk about Captain Storm, Cosmium Raider. Uh, it's a blue and a red. For a 2-2 human pirate, with whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target pirate you control. Nice, easy, simple. There's one, one very disappointing thing about this set as a whole. And that is that we still do not have the black-red legendary pirate that kind of makes up the third part of the pirates because you know pirates are in grixis and there's blue black uh legendary creatures there's blue red legendary creatures but there is not a purely blue or sorry red black legendary pirate so yeah i'm still a little sad about that uh, but as we move towards the end of the list, we get yet another name that I'm sure I'm going to butcher. Uh, it is 
It's Quinneth. Yeah, that seems right. It's Quinneth, firstborn of Gishath. It's a red and a green for a 2-3 dinosaur. It has haste, and when it enters the battlefield, you may pick two. If you do, target dinosaur you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature. So it's just a just a cute little guy. And Gishath's the dad, apparently. Or mom. I don't know. Uh, right, the last of the main set uh, legendary creatures I want to take a look at is... Kutzil Melamet Exemplar, which is one, a green and a white, for a 3-3 cat warrior. Your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. That right there makes it good enough to slot into most green-white decks. And then whenever one or more creatures you control with power greater than its base power deal common damage to a player, draw a card. So, again, like Xanthems, want your creatures bigger. It's very good. So now I want to take a quick look at the commander decks. For one reason. It gave me a workaround for my black-red pirates. We got a reprint of Breaches, the Brazen Plunderer, which is the uh, red pirate with a partner. And we got a black pirate with partner. Uh, so we want to talk about that real quick. So it's Francisco Foul Marauder. It's a play on words. I'll get to it in a second. It's one in a black for a zero one bird pirate. Yep. It has flying. It can't block. But whenever one or more pirates you control deal damage to a player, Francisco explores. And then it has partner. And then breaches is whenever you hit an opponent, you exile the top part of their library. So they can kind of work together in that if you're, you know, binning stuff when you're exploring, you could still have cards to cast from what you exile from your opponents. But yeah, that's kind of the roundup this week for legendary creatures I wanted to talk about. I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to talk about uh, dropping some bombs. I'll be right back. Hey, I just want to take a minute to tell you about my Patreon. I know times are hard for everybody, and I know it isn't easy to shuffle around bills and stuff. Believe me, I know that. But if you would like to help support the podcast and me... You can find the links to my Patreon in my link tree, which is always put into the description of either the video or the audio, wherever you're listening to it. It would really mean the world to me. Honestly, I'm just struggling to make ends meet most weeks, but that's it. That's all. If you want to help, the links will be where you can find them. And welcome back. Now, I talked about dropping bombs. And how I'm going to do that is with the War Doctor. He's two, a red and a white, for a 3-5 Time Lord Doctor. 
He says whenever one or more other permanents phase out, or whenever one or more other cards are put into exile from anywhere, put a time counter on the War Doctor. And then whenever the War Doctor attacks, it deals damage equal to the number of time counters on it to any target. If a creature dies this way, exile it instead. Now, what originally pushed me towards building this was I had pulled a Virtue of Courage and I didn't really have anywhere to put it. So, let's just get into that. It's three red-red for an enchantment that says whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, you may exile that many cards from the top of your library. You may play those cards this turn. So, with the War Doctor out, and let's say he's got three or four time counters on him, he attacks... Hits. Uh, he doesn't even have to hit. He just attacks. He attacks. He can dome an opponent for the, you know, four damage. We exile the top four cards of our library. That triggers the War Doctor again, putting the next counter on him. And that's kind of where the thought for the deck came around. Now, uh, Virtue of Courage also does have an adventure on it. It is Emberth Blaze. It's one in a red to do two damage to any target. So, yeah, there's that. Now, we wanted to partner up the War Doctor. And as I was looking into what I wanted to do, I realized I needed blue for most of the phase-out stuff I wanted to do. And so we went with Adric, Mathematical Genius. One and a blue for a 1-1 human artificer. Has an ability for... Two, a blue, and tap. Copy target activated or triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. And it has an ability called Ultimate Sacrifice. For one and a blue, you can sacrifice Adric to counter target activated or triggered ability. And it has Doctor's Companion. Alright, now jumping into what we're actually doing with the deck, I kind of broke it down into a few things. And the first thing I want to talk about is weaponizing phasing. So... The first thing I looked for was ways that I could use phasing to remove blockers, essentially. Uh, things like Reality Ripple, which is one in a blue for an instant, and you just phase out either an artifact creature or land. There's also a couple of charms that can do phasing. The first one is Vision Charm. It's a single blue. For an instant, you can choose either target, artifact, phases out. Or put the top four cards from a target player's library into their graveyard. Or all lands of one type are basic lands of your choice until end of turn. So, get rid of a problematic artifact that might be locking us down from attacking. Voila. Sapphire Charm is a single blue for an instant. And either target player draws a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Or target creature and opponent controls phases out. Or target creature gains flying till end of turn. Honestly, all three of these are good at one point or another. Say the War Doctor's picked up like some counters and stuff. We just give him flying so he can do extra damage and then still do damage with his attack trigger. Say it's earlier in the game and they have a blocker that could kill the Doctor. We just phase that out. And if 
where it like that little board stall you get like midway through a game, we'll just draw a card on the next upkeep. But uh, continuing the theme of removal, we have Divine Smite, which is one and a white for an instant. Target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls phases out. If that permanent is black, exile it instead. I went with this because on either mode it works with what the doctor wants because he also cares about things getting exiled. And that's, uh, yeah. Next up we have the March of Swirling Mist, X and a blue, instant. As an additional cost, uh, you can exile any number of blue cards from your hand. The spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way. And then up to X target creatures phase out. So, funny interaction with this. If you uh, say you want to exile one card from your hand, the doctor sees that, gets a time counter. Then this resolves, and you phase out stuff. Doctor gets another time counter. So, that's kind of what I was looking at. Things like Reality Shift, which are one in a blue instant exile a creature, its controller manifests the top card of their library. Uh, one of the new ones is the Pandorica, which is two and a white for a legendary artifact. You may choose not to untap the Pandorica during your untap step, and you can pay one and a white and tap it to, unt to untap another target and online permanent. Then it phases out. It can't phase in for as long as the Pandorica remains tapped. When it becomes untapped or leaves the battlefield, that permanent phases in, activating only as a sorcery. So, mostly it's play it, tap down get rid of a thing for a turn, untap on my upkeep, tap down something else. So, nice and repeatable. Uh, and the last thing I kind of want to talk about in this section is the Vodalian Illusionist. Two and a blue for a 2-2 two -two merfolk with blue-blue tap, target creature phases out. So, that's kind of like the core of like, hey... I'm going to very temporarily or very extremely get rid of your things, grow my doctor, attack, dome you for damage, and yeah. Alright, now next I want to talk about some cards that we have that are going to uh, exile cards, either our own or opponents, because the doctor doesn't care where it gets exiled from, he still gets a counter. Uh, first up we have Vance's Blasting Cannons. It's... Uh, three and a red for a legendary enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. If it's an online card, you may cast it this turn. Whenever you cast your third spell in a turn, you may transform Vance's Blasting Cannons. It becomes the Spitfire Bastion. It's a legendary land. It taps for red, and you can pay two and a red and tap it to do three damage to target creature or player. Uh, normally, that just kind of stays to keep exiling cards for me. Uh, next up we have Visions of Phyrexia, which is two red-red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. And at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't play a card from exile this turn, you create a tapped Power Stone token. So if we end up exiling a land, and we don't want to play that land... We just get a Power Stone. So, yeah. 
And the last one I want to talk about in this little section is actually Plarg and Nasari. Three red red for a 5-4 orc Efreet. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player exiles cards from the top of their libraries until they exile a non-land card. An opponent chooses a non-land card exiled this way, and then you may cast up to two spells from among the other cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. So, yeah, it is only one trigger to put one counter on the Doctor, but then you're getting free utility and that. Sure, an opponent's going to take the best of the bunch and say you can't cast that, but you're guaranteed two other spells. Alright, um, the next thing I want to talk about real quick is the self-phasing stuff, which is, well, let's just get into it. Uh, first up, we have the Renegade Silent. It's three and a blue for a 3-3 alien horror. At the beginning of your end step, goad up to one target creature you don't control and put a plus one plus one counter on the Renegade Silent. Then the Renegade Silent phases out. So, go to thing, counter on him, he phases out, comes back next turn, but we get a counter. Essentially, we're getting a counter at the end of every turn this way. Uh, next up, we have the Robe of Stars. It's one and a white for an equipment. The equipped creature gets plus zero, plus three, and it has astral projection. For one and a white, equipped creature phases out. And it has equipped for one. Next we have Vanishing, which is a single blue enchant creature. Uh, so it's an aura. And for blue-blue, enchanted creature phases out. Next up we have the best boy, I mean Blink Dog. He's uh, two and a white for a 1-1 one, one dog. He has Double Strike and Teleport for a three and a white. Blink Dog phases out. And then, last in this little section, we have Guardian of Faith. One white-white for a 3-2 Spirit Knight. It has Flash, Vigilance. And when it enters the battlefield, any number of target creatures you control phase out. So, yeah, this, this deck is going to end up being very... annoying at times to play against, I guess is the best way to put it. But let's finish this up with the last two cards I wanted to talk about. The first one is Rotating Fireplace. Three mana artifact enters a battlefield tapped with a time counter on it. It taps for an amount of colorless equal to the number of time counters on it. So at its core, it's a three mana enters play tapped mana rock. But for four and tap, you can time travel, activate only as a sorcery. So time traveling is if... Uh, you can manipulate the number of time counters either on a thing or off of a thing. So, yeah, it's just there to keep putting uh, time counters on stuff, and actually, uh, the way I was using it the last time I played was I was using that ability to time travel and then copying it with Adric. So... You know, after doing that three times, then the artifact taps for, you know, eight mana, and the doctor has just a ton of time counters on him. 
And finally, we're going to talk about all of history all at once. Two blue blue for a sorcery. It has time travel and storm. So, again, the time travel thing, manipulate the time counters, and then storm. Well, I mean, it's storm. You make a copy for everything that was cast before at that turn. So, yeah, that's that's how we're going to drop bombs. Now, this went a little longer than normal, so I'm just going to call it here. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. All of my links can be found in my link tree in the description below. I would like to thank Ian Foss and Cody Mulpey of the band The Crypt for allowing me to use music for my opening and ending, along with Nate and Erica Jacobs for making my original logo. And I would also like to thank Christina McNichol for creating my new logo. And I'll see you next time.